Welcome to Famous with Kate and Liz. We are back with our famous fashion fashionistas. Yeah. <laughs> series. Fashion wow. designers. Um, last week we had the Nazi lover Coco Chanel, which Sophia Ritchie jumping on the Chanel. I mean, her wedding gown. Well, I think, Chanel. yeah, she was got married in the south of France, so I understand wanting to have, like, a classic French designer, but there's so many other options. I know. Ugh. And she just converted to Judaism, too. It's, like, really weird. Like, I, has I, anyone on her team listened to our last podcast? Come on. Well, and that's the thing is, like, I feel like, people have to know but like I don't know if she knows you know like and no but if you're like into fashion it's like isn't that a well-known thing in the fashion world or is it not I don't know we're not I feel like your rabbi might want to tell you or something (laughs) like I don't know like someone in her in her orbit probably knows right yeah very bizarre but you know good for her you know but hopefully someone tells her soon <laughs> um beautiful and like speaking of um random fashion notes uh, in pop culture I just watched the movie House of Gucci yes I know it came out like I don't know what like a year ago at this point <laughs> but it's strange. yeah well there was so much hype about it and then it well, got like all-star cast right um Lady Gaga you guys it was so bad <laughs> That's what I heard. I was like so excited for this movie. Love Adam Driver. Love me some Lady Gaga. But I heard horrible reviews. I'm like, I can't waste. It w- wasn't it long too? It was very long. And then like they all have like very exaggerated Italian accents. It's like, oh really? Is the Gucci family Italian? Are they Italian really? Like I didn't. You know how like back in the day when like a movie was set in a different country. Everyone just had like a British accent. Like, I feel like that's yes, yeah. this, like, you know, or no accent. Like, I don't know what would have been better, but it wasn't this. <laughs> Whatever this was, was not it. Oh, and now it was, I like want to watch it. It was all just like about the, you know, Maurizio Gucci and Patricia, like Adam Driver and Lady Gaga's relationship, the majority of the thing of the whole movie. And then at the end, like there's like a murder and a trial and that's all like really fast. And I'm like, no, that's oh, that's like at the end. I thought that's what the whole story, because yeah. that's like a famous true crime story. Right. That's what I thought too. I thought that would be a whole big portion of it. It was like the last 10 minutes, maybe. <laughs> That is hysterical. Wow. Leto, I'm sorry. I like him a lot. And he was so bad. <laughs> like, Who? I think Jared Leto. I think his oh. character was meant to be kind of like idiotic. But then like he was really bad on top of that. Plus the accent. Like it was comical. It was almost like cats bad, you guys. So um, <laughs> don't spend your time on that. Just read the Wikipedia page on the murder of um, Maurizio Gucci instead. Like, they did talk a little bit about, like, they do showcase, like, Tom Ford, like, coming in and taking over Gucci, like, the very beginning. And I'm like, that would have been more interesting to learn about, too, you know? <laughs> like, oh, why? maybe I'll do Tom Ford next week. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like, that was interesting, but they didn't, like, showcase any of that. So, anyways, um, that was, like, a, a real... Um, Real miss there. <laughs> Whoever directed it, I can't remember. But 
Wow. Great. Love that. Love that for them. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it is that time of year. So I'm like into the the fashion as we're leading up to the Met Gala. Um, but for my designer this week, and I don't know if I was just like burned by House of Gucci or what, but so like I just wanted to do someone that's not like hooked to couture, like someone who's not just like only known for the runways. Like I wanted like a household name, like an iconic brand that like you could go to the ends of the earth and someone would know who this person is. And so I chose Mr. Calvin Klein for my. Yes. I mean, I think that is potentially the most like household fashion name. Not that I have anything Calvin Klein. Yeah, me either. I don't know. Um, They do sell it at like TJ Maxx. And that's another reason I wanted to do that because I feel like Calvin Klein's brand, like a lot of others, has also transcended um, price points, right? And like it can be affordable. Like the average person could own some Calvin Klein something or other if they wanted to go to TJ Maxx and get last seasons or whatever. Yes, yes. I remember having a Calvin Klein watch also, like a nice watch with like the cubic zirconias. Um, That was like my fancy. I had like a Gus watch and a Calvin Klein watch, which of course now like, you don't need a watch because you have a cell phone. So, well, and it's funny that you say guest because we talked about that with Anna Nicole Smith. And I kind of feel like Calvin Klein definitely was at the same height as guest during that like 90s time, but like guest kind of yes. out where Calvin Klein managed to kind of reinvent itself a few years later and stay relevant. Yeah, so. no, I, I feel like gun to my head if you were like, what was the brand of the famous Nicole, um, Anna Nicole? Smith ad I'd be like Calvin Klein because it's like the Calvin Klein ads and the Gus ads are like so you know it was like so that time period of like that was the gene ads that were like kind of controversial and like everybody wanted to see kind of like the Abercrombie bags remember like all the hot guys like on the Abercrombie bags and it was like oh my god I'm gonna cut up this bag and like put it on my wall because this guy's so hot (laughs) on my Abercrombie bag oh my god what I think of immediately is like that point in time in my life was like um the Calvin Klein billboards and yeah the black and white and the sexiness Mm -hmm. of it all um 90s like that's definitely what I think of um like the CK perfume and you know just like Mm -hmm. like I can like smell that that like is like middle school to me (laughs) yes the Marky Mark ad yeah I mean iconic iconic where he's like grabbing his junk (laughs) oh yes oh my gosh well and so Calvin Klein is not as controversial as someone like Coco Chanel I felt like we needed a little palate cleanser after after that. So we're not going to have as much controversy, but he definitely does have some when it comes to his advertising. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to like, you know, talk about an iconic brand. I was thinking of like who to do um, this week. And I was remembering in Back to the Future, the movie, because it's like my husband's favorite movie. So we watch it a lot. Um, when he goes back to the future or back to back in time, um, and he meets his mom when she's young. She thinks his name is Calvin Klein because he's wearing Calvin Klein underwear. Yes, yes. And people used to put their name on their underwear. 
Yes, exactly. And so I'm like, okay, this is like Americana, right? Calvin Klein, like, is in the future. Um, So I had to go with that. So let's get into it. Please feel free to, like, jump in um, with your thoughts, memories, impressions, whatever. Yes. And I I did want to mention that if you want to Google, like, the man himself, Calvin Klein, because he is an actual person, um, he really reminds me of, um, that <laughs> magician that got mauled by the tiger. Was that uh, Siegfried or Roy? Siegfried and Roy. I don't know which one it was, but yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Doesn't he look exactly like them too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, there's like, you've had some work done like oh, yeah. in the early 2000s that has not like held up the best maybe yeah uh, yeah and he's still but he's still living you know he's very you know I think successfully living his life now um away from the brand but um but yes so google him because he is a real person for sure and you should just see Calvin Klein um because a lot of times I don't think we get to see who these like fashion designers necessarily are because they're not meant to be seen right they're like behind the curtain um letting their artwork speak for them so yeah, unless you're Tommy Hilfiger and you go on your yacht with Chris Jenner and, uh, you know, so then we all know what he looks like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, and I don't know, he's another one, like Calvin Klein. Like, I was just like, he's kind of the same era for me, but still yeah. hasn't withstood the test of time like Calvin Klein has. I Maybe nope. Ralph Lauren has. That's the only other one that I could think of that's, like, still, because of the... Yeah and all that you know but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay all right so fashion designer calvin klein is known for a range of clothing lines that include ladies and men's apparel denim and underwear along with high profile provocative ads featuring models and celebrities and i got my information um today from biography.com and encyclopedia britannica and a little bit of wikipedia so those are my sources um yeah, let's start at the beginning. Calvin Richard Klein was born November 19th, 1942 in the Bronx, New York, and he was the middle of two siblings. His father was originally from Hungary uh, and owned a family grocery store in Harlem, while his mother was a homemaker, and she loved to go visit her mother's um, tailoring shop. Uh, and that's well. Like, she would bring Calvin with her, and that's where he began his love of clothing and design, like, hanging out at his grandma's um, tailoring shop. And probably, like, the so and everything, too. Um, he was very driven as a child, and he started on working on fashion sketches before his adolescence and eventually attended the High School of Industrial Arts and the Art Students League. And he went on to get his university degree from the Fashion Institute of Technology in 1963. Um, so just someone who always loved it from like a young age and obviously was very artistic. Um, yeah. And it was obviously like in his genes. Right. I, know, right. I mean, I feel like people are like, oh, tailoring can be learned, but I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like some people are just like, that's like a natural talent too, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think if you're, you know, grew up, literally, that's like all you knew was being in your mother or grandmother's tailoring shop like you're gonna pick it up 
right. way exactly. younger and easier than anybody else. Oh yeah. They're like, here, go like fiddle with this, like, you know, needle and thread while you keep yourself busy. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, child labor. Love it. Yep, exactly. Okay. So building the iconic brand, um, Calvin went on to work for various like fashion industry jobs before he started his own label. As you do, you got to learn somewhere. And in 1968, he and his childhood friend, Barry Schwartz, became business partners when uh, Schwartz took over his own family's grocery store and gave Calvin Klein $10,000 to start his label. Um, Klein rented a small showroom and eventually was able to secure a deal with the department store Bonwit Teller um, after he had an like a chance encounter with one of its buyers. And like so much of this world, I do feel like is based on like networking and chance encounters and like mm-hmm. uh, and who you know and your connections. So just thought Absolutely. that was um, and with the exposure from the Bonwit Teller department store and more consumer demand, Klein was able to secure millions in sales by the early 70s. So he just like opened his store and like, you know, a couple few years earlier and is already raking in millions. So Calvin Klein's design philosophy is rooted in minimalism, like extreme simplicity, wouldn't you say? Like, don't you think of like a white t-shirt and khakis or jeans, something like that when you think yeah. of Calvin Klein? Timeless, simple. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Yep. He usually uses neutral colors or earth tones and designs separates, so like articles of clothing that can be um worn interchangeably with others um we might call them like basics today too you know separates basics so you can like everybody needs a basic it's smart exactly because you can like do a combination with it you can dress it up you can dress it down um and it works with many different ensembles and from day to night and season to season making it you know popular year round Um, So he initially focused on women's coats and coordinates, um, but eventually branched out into additional ladies apparel that could be mixed and matched. Um, Like we were saying, cultivating this minimalist streamlined look that relied on sublime tailoring and fabric choices. Um, So those really nice, neat lines of tailoring um, is also like what they're known for. And later in the decade, in the 70s, he branched into menswear and jeans, eventually becoming a major player in the denim market that at that time was dominated by the likes of Miss Gloria Vanderbilt and Jordan oh. and Sasson. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just almost, how did I forget about Gloria Vanderbilt? I, I feel like that was like a little before our time. So I like, know. but oh, my God. She would be a good one to do, too. And Okay, Gloria Vanderbilt, Anderson Cooper's mother, for those of you who don't know. First person to put her name on jeans. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is a great one to do. And, you know, I love to do, like, either women or randos. So, yeah. so oh, he, I might dabble. Like, she was dominating the scene, and Calvin Klein was breaking in. Um, he hired fashion luminaries to help like shape his vision and by the 1980s his brand was known for like underwear luxurious perfumes and colognes um with corresponding sexy ad campaigns 
And in the following decades, the brand went beyond just clothing and went into like home apparel too, which I didn't even know. You could probably get like a Calvin Klein lamp. Oh, yes. I think, yeah, like um, bedding, Mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. And I just want to say too, like the fact that Calvin Klein is like his God-given name. Right. I know. It's such a good name. It's a great name, CK. Like, I mean, it's a great name for a brand. It's so crisp and clean, just like the tailoring of yes. his, like, garments. <laughs> it sounds like he he made it to, like, fit his vision. But, like, no, it was already his name. It's crazy. That is such a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, some of these designers, like, change their names, right, to fit a vision. But nope. <laughs> Not Mr. Calvin from the Bronx. Okay, people? <laughs> Um, okay, so in the um, 1980s is really when his, like, perfume market took off. Um, and these are, like, some well-known fa- fragrances to this day, like Obsession and Eternity. <gasps> like, remember? <laughs> yes, Obsession. Right when you said it, I was thinking, yeah, what were the names of, like, Obsession? Of course. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It was everywhere. Um, and then his business also expanded, like I said, into um, – Homeware, um, accessories, eyewear, swimwear, hosiery, like everything that you could put a brand on. I've definitely had Calvin Klein sunglasses. Like I might even still have a pair. Nice. Dust those off. We need a picture. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, they're probably like $7.99 from TJ Maxx. Love that. Yep, exactly. Um, But unfortunately, as we got into the 90s, uh, and this is kind of what we were talking about, the, the brand faced major financial difficulty. I think this was sort of like we were saying where, you know, guests and these brands, Calvin Klein kind of like started to fizzle, but like some were able to reinvent themselves. And um, Calvin Klein's brand was saved financially by a bailout from his friend, business mogul and producer, David Geffen. So he swooped oh, in. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And it's I like hear that- his name all the time. You do. He's always there with the money, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and after, like, watching House of Gucci, I, like, understand a little bit more. Like, this is so much, like, and with the Coco Chanel thing, like, so much of these brands, like, the designers don't even own themselves, right? Like, there's investors and, like, it's a big thing. And, um, like, the whole business side of it is, like, having more money than you you know like the investment like you have to put money in to make money and like all that it's just like the whole crazy side I always feel like these brands are like this happens on a regular basis where it's like oh my gosh they're almost like facing bankruptcy and then someone will come in and like buy it you know and like save it Mm -hmm. but um, anyways so um Later on, like a decade later, Calvin Klein filed a suit in 2000 against its licensee, um, Warnica Group, for breaching contractual agreements and trademark law. Um, this case was eventually settled out of court. Um, and it, having established an array of licensing agreements over the course of their career, Calvin Klein and Barry Schwartz sold their company um, in 2003 to Phillips Van Heusen Corporation for $430 million in in cash and stock with a limited royalty deal so they went through this like kind of licensing you know lawsuit that they settled and then it was time to sell like a few years later and that's what I'm saying like they kind of learned this from House of Gucci as well as like you get to a point where it's like now 
like it's time to sell because like I'm valued at so much. Like, what is the point of like continuing this unless like I'm going to continue to be involved and like, you know, have I'm like really having my creative vision, but like the guy is old, you know, he wants to live his life. So let him take his $430 million, you know, and you know, do that. So like a lot of these people then sell their names like Kate Spade and Gucci and Calvin Klein, and they go off and live in their multi-millions and aren't really involved anymore. Right. I mean, hey, can't, can't fault them for that. Right. Exactly. So it's just like interesting, like to sell your name. Right. You know, but like, yeah, you're not really, and kind of like with the Coco Chanel thing, like I can see how the brand would distance itself from the individual's Nazi ties, right? Like, right, because the people running it now really hopefully have no affiliation with that. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's just the name had such, you know, so much money behind it. Totally. Like you would think, like, yeah. just change the name so it's not the individual's name, but, like, you build so much brand equity over these years. Right, right. So, like, it's the whole brand of it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so he sold in uh, 2003, and as of 2016, Raph Simons has been appointed as chief um, creative officer for Calvin Klein, the brand, serving as the unified head of all of its divisions. So Raph Simons is running things. Um, but I have to talk a little bit about his uh, controversial ads um, of the past and some today still. I think that's just kind of what Calvin Klein ads are known for being like extra sexy and pushing the envelope kind of. Mm -hmm. um, so he's generated mountains of publicity for ad campaigns surrounding his brand due to their sexually provocative nature, especially with campaigns clearly marketed towards young people. So one of the most talked about ads of all time was his commercial featuring a teenage Brooke Shields. And in it, she says, do you know what comes between me and my Calvins? Nothing. And um, this clip was actually banned along with another ad on TV stations like during this time because she was so young. I don't know how young she was in it. She but was 15. She okay. was 15. I just checked. Um, and, you know, it's timely because that Brooke Shields docu thing just, is out and you've watched it right yeah, if anyone saw that like they talk about this ad in in there you know and just like the controversy but like I mean this ad honestly was like she was 15 and there was like way worse stuff that happened to her when she was like 9 and 11 too but <laughs> you know so. yeah and and like how today it's like ugh, you just turn the tv on and there's like mm -hmm. full frontal nudity you know but still I mean it's pretty shocking like to make that innuendo of a 15 year old, like nothing yeah. comes, which it like, it's just like, yeah. You know, or like jeans or like, you know, it's just, I think she's like, I can't remember what she's not like fully clothed in it or whatever, or it's like provocative, but, um, but I feel yeah, like I think they like, it says in this article, I just skimmed through it quickly that it like zooms in on her crotch kind of, and then like pans yeah. up. So it's, it's definitely sexually suggestive. You know, yeah. and she's 15, so just and I yikes. Feel like a lot of designers do this, like try to be controversial to like get yeah get press. Right? Like, 
Like, we all remember the Balenciaga, like, BDSM, like, teddy bear controversy from, like, earlier this year. Was that, like, 2022? You know, like, with the little toddlers holding, like, the teddy bears wearing BDSM. Yeah, BDSM. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Bad press is good press, as they say. And so I kind of feel like they were like, oh, let's just see. She is the biggest name. Like, Brooke Shields was the biggest name at the time. So, like, why not? Like, let's see what what we can do and how far we can push the envelope. You know, obviously, that's what they're thinking from a business side, not thinking about how horrific it is probably for her. Well, and her mother wasn't like, no, this is out. She had nobody kind of sticking up for her. Right. Right. You know. At this point, she was basically like, when she was 15, like raising her own mom and like in charge of her mm-hmm. life. You know? um, so these ads, these Calvin Klein ads with Brooke Shields were also um, pulled and both President Clinton and First Lady Hillary Clinton spoke out against the images with a U.S. Justice Department investigation launched to determine. Um, oh, I'm sorry. This was a uh, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Not the Brooke Shields ads, but another round of CK jeans ads had a very young models in it. And many felt like it evoked amateur pornography. And so, these yeah, uh, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton spoke out about and there was a Justice Department investigation into the ages of the models um, in that campaign. Yes. Yeah. That and that one is um, I just did a quick Google search of like controversial Calvin Klein ads. And I guess that one that you're referring to is from, um, I think it was like 95 or something. And and it's like just a lot of, yeah, like teenage looking kids in this like um, wood paneled basement looking room. um, And the ads were on TV and it was, you know, again, sexually suggestive and which again, now, if you watch it, you're like, oh, this is like nothing. I mean, have you seen Euphoria? That's like (laughs) teenage depicting teens doing really explicit things. So, but I think also like Euphoria is on HBO and you have to like subscribe to that. We're like, yeah, like at this time are just ads like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) yeah, no, it it is different. Yes. And of course it's a totally different time too. Um, but no, you're right. But, like if you yeah. looked at anything now, you'd be like, uh-huh. Okay. What's the big deal? But, um, but yeah, so I think, um, you know, later on in 2013 in an interview, Calvin Klein stated that in retrospect, he probably went too far with that campaign. The one that was um, investigated with the young models and in, in um, the CK jeans label. Mm-hmm. Um, so along with the controversy and distaste, um, Calvin Klein has promoted ads that some agree evoke serene classical sensuality with an adoration of the body. Model Kate Moss became a mainstay muse of, um, the ads for Calvin Klein, but those also faced controversy for her thinness at the time. Um, and the photos were pretty erotic as well. Um, but then on the flip side of that, he used Christy Turlington, the model for his eternity fragrance campaign, which was meant to like symbolize stability and family and more of like, um, showcase more of like a sense of grace than like eroticism. So I don't know, like he's doing both and I can kind of see that. I definitely see Kate Moss more like cutting edge erotic than Christy Turlington. She seems timeless, you know, in my mind. Right. And if you're trying to sell a product to a specific, you know, group of people, you know, um, 
And yes, I guess in this um, 1992 ad with Kate Moss and Mark Wahlberg, they were both topless. I guess she was topless and, and only 17. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot, it's giving me, it's really now reminding me a lot of Abercrombie Fitch, like I brought up mm-hmm. earlier. And if that's a good docu-series, I think that was on Hulu. Um, I oh, forget the name right. of it, but that was like, oh my God, <laughs> some of the models, like talking about what they kind of so, did yeah. and had to do. Yeah. It well, was and just, just that, like the that time. Room that that promoted, like, I mean, I wasn't like watching these like Calvin Klein ads in middle school thinking like, oh, I like want to be like that and I can afford those clothes some days. But Abercrombie, I was like, oh, yeah, that's where everybody's shopping. Like all my peers are, you know. Right. Well, and and that's that's who they were selling to was mm-hmm. people our age. So when this was happening, like it wasn't as like <gasps> to us because we, you know, like these people were just like a little bit older than us, like cooler. It wasn't like, I, I didn't feel like, Ooh, why am I looking at like exactly. an underage person, like naked, <laughs> you know, like, Ooh. it was like, Oh my God, that person's like, so cool. I like want to be affiliated with that brand or what, you know, they're, that's who they, they knew that our generation, what we wanted our parents to buy us. They were like, we were the consumers. Right. Yeah. Not necessarily our parents. They so want the mothers to open credit cards and yes. Mm-hmm. yes, that's who they're selling to. So, Absolutely. you know, it's a business. They're doing ads, you know, to make money. So and their main consumer are teenagers. So just remind yeah. teenagers. Um, so I'm glad you brought up Mark Wahlberg <laughs> because Calvin Klein is also credited with bringing male beefcake into the contemporary mainstream so like his ads are kind of like known for like the male beefcake look and that is thanks in part because of his underwear campaign featuring the rapper actor marky mark mark <laughs> oh rapper i forget he, he's a rapper you know now he's like i wake up he's like so like catholic still and he's like i so wake up at like 4 a.m he has like uh you know i work out for three hours and then he's like a family man. Oh yeah, it's he's also so crazy. Prayed up, up that Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, okay. These these um, ads. If there's any young people listening that haven't seen them, Google it immediately. They're like iconic and amazing. <laughs> oh my god, so good. So good. Like what, whatever your thoughts on Mark Wahlberg are, it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> no, like I'm gonna print out on my printer. Like a picture of this ad and hang it on my wall next to my bed. Uh, <laughs> my husband's gonna be like, "What the fuck is this?" Artwork, like a masterpiece. Really. Yeah, this is art. It's called art. Look it up. It should be in the Smithsonian or like Library of Congress. I really think it should. But um, so yeah, so that was like a big kind of controversial one at the time. He's like in his underwear. He's grabbing his crotch. You know, we all remember we. we Loved it. We were there. We want more of it. <laughs> um, oh, I'm having like a hot flash. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that really set it off. You know, I think over time, there's been this array of models and actors and athletes and performing artists who have 
been featured in Calvin Klein campaigns. Uh, the very first Calvin Klein male underwear model was a man named Tom Hinthouse or Hintnos, Hintnos, I think. Um, sorry, not familiar with him, but he was the very first one before Marky Mark. Um, and Calvin Klein campaigns have also featured Lisa Left Eye Lopez, Antonio Sabato Jr., Zoe Saldana, um, Dijman Hansu, Makad Brooks, Justin Bieber, Kendall Jenner, Travis Fimmel, Natalia Vodinova, Caroline Murphy, Eva Mendez, and FKA Twigs, uh, just to name a few. And that's a good, like, diverse-ish mm-hmm. group. You know, it's not like all just white stick figure people. Right, right, exactly. But he's got, like, the younger ones to help. I, I, I like that he uses models, performing artists, like we were saying, athletes. Like, there's beauty across, like, the field. You know, they don't all have to be models. And so yes. I it kind of takes, like, the cover girl approach in a way. You know, like, we got, let's throw in some actresses and stuff like that. So I kind of like that. Yes. And he's also worked with a number of, like, Luminous photographers, including Richard Avedon, Irving Penn, Stephen Klein, Herb Ritz, Mario Testino, sorry, and Bruce Weber. Um, so, you know, he's got his favorites. But I Oh, I think Bruce Weber was the Abercrombie and Fitch guy. Oh, interesting. I'll have to, like, look into that connection. I wouldn't doubt it if he's, like, a fashion photographer. Yes, he is. Yes, it is this guy. Makes okay, sense. Sorry. Sexy as <laughs> Bruce Weber is involved, apparently. Yeah, he was like obsessed with like young guys taking their shirts off. Oh my yeah. god, he's ah! he's part of that. That uh, it's a good one. You guys should watch it. The Abercrombie yeah, Fitch. I can't remember I finished it. I think I started it, so I'll have to go back and see if I finished it. It was at least nostalgic. Oh yes, yeah, for sure. Like, oh my gosh, what a moment in time. Um. So, yeah, so obviously Calvin Klein is world-renowned. Time magazine has named him one of the 25 most influential Americans uh, in 1996. He won the prestigious Cody Award three times in a row um, from 1973 to 1975, becoming the youngest designer to ever have that honor. And wow. in 1982, 1983, and 1986, he also captured the Council of Fashion Designers of America Award. And in addition, um, he built, you know, a financially strong company with the continued advice of his childhood friend and business partner, Barry Schwartz. Um, and few designers have rivaled his worldwide empire. Um, that's the business side. I have just like a like a two paragraph like on his personal life because there's not much out there because, like I said, he's just not that controversial that we know of. Like he's kept it under wraps if he is. Yeah. So, well, I did just want to add that. It does kind of remind me of Coco Chanel, not in the Nazi way of like how she she was like enough with this like corset business and like fussy dresses, just like doing more like timeless, comfortable, nice looking clothes, you know. For like everybody, even though she was more, you know, a little in the high society side of it. But um, you just brought that up because I actually had a couple quotes from him at the end. And one oh. is 
I've never been one to see women in ruffles and all kinds of fanciful apparel. To me, it's just silly. So, yeah. I mean, what is like hotter than like a hot babe in like her boyfriend's button down, you know, right. shirt yeah. with like Calvin Klein basic underwear? I Nothing. mean, really, the like, beginning whether he probably thought it or not of like unisex fashion right you know too yes, and absolutely yes yes generally exactly. um yes. yeah so while he's very private um he has openly spoken about being in intimate relationships with both men and women um but has never like assigned a specific label to his sexuality um at least when he's been interviewed publicly Um, He admits that the inspiration for much of his ad campaigns come from what's happening in his personal life. He was married for 10 years to Jane Center, um, and they have a daughter named Marcy. And then he later um, married another woman, Kelly Rector, in 1986, but they got divorced in 2006. and like there was no controversy with these, like it was an amicable split and they like lived separately and, you know, are all good there. Um, he is a former, like, avid nightlifer, <laughs> like, used to, like, oh. Studio 54, like, come on, the guy yes. had in the 70s, you know where he was, all right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, with Andy Warhol. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely partying up. And so he has said that he struggled with drug and alcohol abuse. Uh, he checked himself into rehab in Minnesota in 1988, and then he, later on in life, he struggled again with substance abuse around the time of um, his company's sale, which is understandable because, like, you're getting, like, a ton of money also, like, right away um, is usually when people, yeah. you know, go crazy with Yeah, substance. while simultaneously selling your name, basically. <laughs> like an identity crisis, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Uh, but he went to rehab in Arizona during that time and was sex, um, successfully able to complete that. And so has, I believe, has been good ever since. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, he's got the one daughter. I read that one quote, and I guess I'll just wrap it up with one more quote that I liked by him. Um, I also learned that he's a Scorpio, if anyone's interested in that. There was just like some random like facts about Calvin Klein at the end of the biography article. Um, but the quote I'll end with is, he says, I think it's more fun if you have the reputation and people don't know everything. A little mystery isn't so bad. So. Love that. Yeah. In a world where everybody's putting everything on Instagram and TikTok and what, and it's all about how many followers you have, you know, sometimes a little mystery isn't so bad. We don't know a lot about Calvin Klein and I think it's intentional. So. Wow. That was great. Cause I really didn't know anything. I didn't know. Calvin Klein himself I didn't either I was like I'm just going to like look into this person and learn about this brand so um that is that um let us know if you um rock some Calvins if you um remember the Marky Mark ads do you still have it up in your bedroom um (laughs) I know well hey my husband wears Calvin Klein's I'll have him pose for Check our Instagram at famous Kate and Liz, Kate with a C. Maybe we'll, he'll be gracing our Instagram. No surprise, Willie, where will he be there? Um, but yeah, you know, just don't let anything uh, get between you and your Calvins as long as you're 18 and up. Okay, that's the moral of the story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for adding that in. Yes. Wow, that was great. That was great. And I'll I'll choose. Maybe I'll do 
Gloria Vanderbilt. Oh, geez. I don't know. There's so many. So many good ones. I was like, you know, Vivian Westwood just passed away this year and she did the whole like punk um, fashion scene, which was really different. And yeah, there's so many good ones. Like, you know, there's Vera Wang I was looking into as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yes. She was like a famous figure skater or something. Oh, really? She she like was a figure skater and then turned fashion designer, I believe. You know who also might, well, I don't know anything about her personal life, but Betsy Johnson. Right. Yeah. She's like crazy. Yeah. She seems like a character. I know she filed bankruptcy. That's like one thing. (gasps) Right. Um, you know, and she's another one where you can get, um, her stuff, you know, last season for cheap. So I love where you can feel like you can own a piece of fashion. Um, you know, I love that. And, yeah, so the, you'll do yours, and then we'll also have our special episode on the Met Gala, just some of our reactions to the fashion that we've seen, the celebrities that were there. Uh, we won't be there, but we'll be looking on Instagram. No, we'll be there in spirit. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm looking forward to see who everyone's going to wear. I mean, is everyone going to have to wear, like, vintage Karl Lagerfeld? Is there enough Karl Lagerfeld to go around? Uh, like, I, I mean, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. So stay tuned and thanks so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.